Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. In spite of all our communication technology, no invention is as effective as the sound of the human voice. When we hear the human voice, we instinctively want to listen in the hopes of understanding it. Even when the speaker is searching for the right words to say, that's because the human voice resonates differently from everything else in the world. This is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Listen in on candid conversations with creative entrepreneurs and insanely interesting people. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. In this episode of the podcast, I speak with Bruce Puntip. Bruce is not your typical CEO of a travel company. Starting with nothing but his college credit cards, over the last 20 years, Bruce has built G-Adventures into a $250 million business. So listen in as he talks to me about the loop tale and his philosophies on life and business. Bruce, uh, welcome to the, the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. 
Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So, Bruce, I, I came across you by by way uh, of actually one of my listeners, um, Gary Arndt, actually. He sent me your your uh, book. He said, hey, Srini, I think this would be right up your alley. And I remember reading the description, and I thought, yeah, yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it. You, you really understand what I look for in a guest. I mean, you, you really do fit the whole you know label of being unmistakable. So I, I guess really where I want to start is is really your story uh, of you know how you built G Adventures and, and how something like Looptail came to be. Well, that, well, that's a long question. <laughs> G Adventures in itself has a 23-year history, and it's and you know it the story of how G Adventures became a company and how we grew to um, to where we are today uh, is more of an entrepreneurial story. I mean, seeing you know I, I was a I was 22 at the time and saw you know um, a need or had my own eureka moment to to want to start a business, and at that time it could have been anything. Um, but over the course of 23 years, and the story, the incredible story in which we've, you know, gone from, you know, taking my college credit card and starting a business to being, you know, over $250 million in revenue, being the largest kind of small group adventure company in the world. I mean, that's the the, the story itself has um, is what motivated Looptail writing the book because it's been such an incredible journey. And I wanted to kind of have, have a positive impact on others through my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, starting the business, you know, and start why I started the business was, you know, like any other entrepreneur who, you know, gets out of school and sees that, you know, there's an industry that, um, you know, needs, has a, uh, has issues or has a problem and you think you can do it better. And that's how I came, to, you know, with, with, with G-Adventures because I entered the travel industry. When I started G-Adventures, the world didn't need another travel company. Um, so I had to create differentiation and create something unique enough that would um, be able to, you know, change the way people look at their holiday time. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you talk about this eureka moment, and I mean, it's funny, right? I, I was just having this conversation with somebody this morning. I, I think that there's something to be said for those moments. Uh, I think sometimes they, they come in very unusual ways. I mean, for me, it was in the form of an email from a friend who said that I should start this show because I had interviewed him for my other blog. Uh, but I think it, it, you know, recognizing those moments is, is really, really important. And I'm curious, uh, you know, one, how, how you knew that was kind of one of those moments. And, and then I mean, how do we take that in our own lives? How do we how do we take advantage of our eureka moments and make sure we don't miss out on them? Uh, I think you have to be, um, you know, fairly self aware to know when opportunities are knocking, when destiny, you know, turns on the radio. You you know, some people listen, some people don't. I mean, I'm a real believer that you know everyone has their opportunities before them, and everyone has um, you know their their destiny and where and their place in the universe. And some people actively search and. And look and find their place in the universe, and a lot of people just um, don't care or, or aren't bothered and aren't bothered and sleepwalk through life. And um, but I, I believe that everyone has a destiny, and um, there's people who pick up on those clues, and there's just people who don't, people who get it, and people who don't. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think separates those two groups? I mean, do you think there's something inherently built into people that differentiates those two groups of people? I think there's an argument, you know, between um, you know whether you know you're it's it's you know nature or nurture, right? Uh huh. Um, I mean, I you know, my mother always used to tell me, you know, don't waste your people on people that don't get it. You know, she used to say, there's two people in this world. My mother used to say, and it's people who get it and people who don't. Um, and the people who don't is it, you know they're you know they're sold on their own um, de- destiny and their own you know where they. You know, want to be in the world, um, and we, you know, as 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 entrepreneurs, we find people that you know want to believe in a story, want to believe in what we're doing, and want to believe that you know a company can change the world, or you know, an idea can change the world, and that's part of their destiny, as it is part of my destiny. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned your mother. I'm you know one of the things I I love looking back at it is looking at early influences uh, in in somebody's life. I mean, was this was this something that you you knew when you were a kid that you had some sort of destiny and and you know I mean what I mean what was your childhood like? I mean, growing up, I mean, what kinds of influences kind of led you to this point of saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to take out my college credit cards and I, I have it in me to do this. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, it, 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 it's very easy for me to say that, um, oh, yes, I always knew when I was very <laughs> I certainly, you know, I had three companies. I started three companies before I turned 16. So I always knew that business was in my blood and it was always something that I wanted to to do. And, um, and it was always part of my, you know, what I say was, is, was my destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and if, when I look back, there was a lot of things that happened in my life that, that made me 
that, that you know that it was very clear to me that I knew very early you know what I was meant, meant to do. Um, and then there's a, there's you know I had three companies before I turned 16. And my first job uh, was at McDonald's and I got fired after two weeks. <laughs> and, and then got fired at McDonald's. So I got fired from Denny's McDonald's, and and. And that's at, at, at the age of 16. That was tragic, but it was all part of my story, right? It was all part of, you know, everything that that, that made me what I am. And it was, and I knew that the only time I'd been successful was when I started businesses prior to turning 16. And and so that's so that's what I focused on, you know, what I knew and what I was successful at. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what started, you know, had me looking for ideas of a company to start when I was. You know, 22 years old. Mm. Well, I, I can relate to the McDonald's thing because my first job uh, in high school was working at McDonald's, coincidentally. And was it was it a great working experience? Okay, so I happened to work for the one and only. I, I'm pretty sure you know when, when you watch the movies and you see Jamaican people, they're they're pretty laid back. You know, you see like you're thinking Bob Marley, Rastafarians, and I think I worked with the only angry Jamaican person on the entire planet because she was vicious. I mean, she was pissed off all the time. Like I was terrified of her. She was my manager at McDonald's. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I didn't even make it past the training program at McDonald's. I got fired during the training program, so <laughs> you did better than me because you made it on the floor. Yeah, I lasted eight months. Uh, that was probably one of the most humbling experiences of my life uh, to, to go and work uh, in an environment like that. You know, I think, you know, despite the fact that, you know, I knew that that was not my career, one of the things that gave me a deep appreciation for is the fact that, you know, we sit, you know, we complain about our lives in so many ways, but like, when I looked at that and I saw, wow, some of these people here are basically going to make their entire living. This is how they survive. And I have the gift of, of being able to go get an education. And I, I really, I realized how much we take so many things for granted. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a big thread um, that I want to get across in, in my book, In Loop mm-hmm. Tale, about how we take, we, take, we take a lot of things for granted every day. Mm-hmm. And those are the those are the cues, and those are the, the notes that we have to remember when we, you know, when people look for their place in the universe, and believing in your destiny, and believing that you know there's a there's a higher purpose for what you do or whatever it is you do, um, in whatever field or what, whether it's um, you know whether you're working for someone or whether you're an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. everyone has their place in, in, in the universe and and our destinies before us. And I just believe that, and more so in business, mm-hmm. right? we're actually running a business, and you know we're evidence of that success. So before we get into Loop Tail and G Adventures, I, I, I want to actually start with your high school businesses because you actually jogged my memory, and I remember reading about them, and I remember that, that was one of the funniest parts of the book. So I'm not going to let you off the hook without telling us about some of those businesses and your classmates. That story just I, it brought a smile to my face because it was so funny. Uh, well, well, my first business was uh, back in the days when home newspapers were being delivered, and uh, I used to – you had to be 12 years old. Um, to have a newspaper and, that, and a, a newspaper route, and I thought that that was just the golden ticket to making money, uh, would be getting a newspaper route. But I was 11, so uh, I had to wait. And so when I turned 12, I applied for um, paper routes in various areas of the, of the city, uh, um, so I could have multiple routes. And I and then I subcontracted them to to, other 11, to, to 11 year olds <laughs> who couldn't, couldn't get um, who couldn't get um, newspaper routes yet, and I used to split the profits with them. Um, and so it was, you know, that was the first thing. That, um, and the next one was, you know, a rabbit business. When I, you know, came to the my, my eureka moment was, you know, people buy rabbits when they're tiny, furry, cute little bunnies, but then they grow up to be, you know, quite, you know, livestock. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mm-hmm. no longer cute anymore. So I saw and read about a uh, a breed of rabbit out of the Netherlands called the Dutch dwarfs. <laughs> they're dwarf rabbits that never grew. Um, and so I imported them into Alberta to, to, and started breeding them and selling them at pet stores. Um, and that was my. And then my next business was a bookmark business, which I did with a, a junior achievement program, which was offered in my school. So you know, I was I was always quite business focused. Like when I, and I was quite odd. My parents were very concerned that I was doing these things when you know my brothers, you know, were playing hockey or you know, on, you know, doing swimming and doing other sports. And I was. Um, you know, I was interested in doing after-school programs, starting a business. Uh-huh. Um, but I, to me, it was the most natural thing in the world. Well, I, I remember you saying something about the rabbit business. Uh, like, you had classmates who were really pissed off at you because the rabbits died or something along those lines. I, I, I remember that very distinctly, and that made me laugh so hard when I was reading the book. No, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of making a reference of Facebook because I, I was, I haven't been on Facebook. That's so. right. <laughs> Recently, and the guys in our marketing department were doing a promotion where they registered me 
on Facebook for a day to do some kind of contest. And within minutes, you know, I got flooded with all these people that wanted to, uh, you know, I sat behind you in grade four and I, you know, I, you know, I don't know if I guess, you know, I knew you when you were, you know, 12 years old living on this street, whatever. People were kind of making contact. Um, and then I got an email from someone that said, uh, you sold me a rabbit uh, many years ago that turned out to be the worst pet ever. <laughs> uh, we should be friends on Facebook. <laughs> was, uh, uh, anyway, so, you know, Facebook, that was my first introduction to Facebook, and then <laughs> immediately canceled the account after that, actually. And I've been on Facebook for years. And just for the book, uh, we have a, 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 um, a Facebook account up now. All right, perfect. Well, let, let, let's get into into Loop Tail and, and, and building G Adventures. I mean, you started a, a company with a bunch of credit cards. I mean, I, like from reading Loop Tail, I don't get the sense that this was sort of like the easiest journey by any stretch of the imagination. I saw a lot of ups and downs and moments in which this whole thing could have fallen apart, it seems like. Uh, I mean, m multiple times. And so I'd love for you to, to walk us through sort of those moments and, and you know how you overcame them. And I mean, how your philosophy as a leader and you know the way you approach business is, is very, very refreshing. It's so different than anything I've come across. I mean, you've always, from what I've seen, been willing to challenge the status quo and do things despite the fact that they might not make you very popular oh yeah I mean that's that's part of being um, well part of being an entrepreneur but part of being um, innovation um, it has a lot to do with you know the self-confidence to put things in front of people that they didn't even know they wanted mm -hmm. um, and at times that's um, you, you can be very popular and at times you can be very unpopular and you think that, that that's that doesn't change your decision with progressing though mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, so, go ahead sorry no, I mean, I mean, the for 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 me when I you know starting the company, there was never um, there was never a point where you know I thought that it was um, you know uh, going to be easy. I mean, entrepreneurs have their ups and downs. In my case, you know, it, because we were so self-funded and um, you know you know bootstrapped our way for so long, like people have to understand, like Jay French is 23 years old. I've been doing this for quite a long time, so it's not it's not a, a you know a quick success story. But I was very passionate and motivated. Um, and it and it was it's what got me through those difficult times. Mm -hmm. I mean, let me ask you: in those difficult times, I mean, are there are there specific moments that that you recall that you know you you really saw a sort of defining moments that basically kind of you know shaped this entire philosophy of the loop tale? Yeah, I mean, the defining moment for me was that uh, where the book opens, um, where when I'm in Tibet um, in um, March 14th. Um, 1997. It is the exact date. Um, that is really the, 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 the defining moment for me when I knew um, I knew that, you know, I, I did, went to Bhutan during that trip as well, where I saw, you know, the idea of gross national happiness, which has been um, developed by the king at that point. And then I went through the spiritual journey through Tibet, which, you know, showed how people, how Tibet has lived for so many centuries as a, a, a as a country that makes its decisions based on oracles and, you know, karma and, you know, and even though I was, you know, I, my mind wasn't wired that way and it still isn't to a certain extent, the idea, you know, really resonated with me and, um, you know, it was one of those things that I, you know, I, it, it changed the way I thought about my life and then it was natural that it would change the extension, you know, of my business, the, how I looked at my business because at that point, you know, when you're in the trenches of, 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 of starting a business, especially when you're bootstrapping from credit cards, your life is your business. So when your life changes, your business changes as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you brought up the spiritual journey, and I can honestly tell you, you know, one of the things I can I could easily find as a common thread between our guests here on this show um, is a spiritual journey of some sort. And it happens in many forms. I mean, for one of our former guests, it happened by going to prison for two years. I mean, that was one of the most enlightening experiences of her life. Um, for me personally, you know, learning how to surf has been the ultimate spiritual journey. I mean, chasing waves has, has become such a defining part of my life. I, I guess, you know, where where I'm, where I'm going with this is, is, do you think that in order to really find what we're meant to do in this world, uh, a spiritual journey is actually essential? I think, I think everyone has their own path, I'll be honest with you. I mean, people don't necessarily have to, you know, face hardships to, to reach, to be successful. I think we all have our own defining paths. Um, I think some roads are lumpier than others. Mm -hmm. um, I, and, and, you know, you can't compare the two either. 
Um, I, I, I get that people want to often, especially people who read my book, they want to compare, uh, you know, often their experience. As to, and, you know, it's always, it's, it's, it's easy to relate to almost anybody's experience. But comparing uh, might be, it, you know, is, is not, might, might not be the, you know, but the right thing to do. And we all just have different paths. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can all relate to the journey that, you know, the journey we all take in life to get um, to, you know, to find our own higher purpose. Uh, but at the same time, um, the, the appreciation of the diversity of other people's paths is what, what makes the world great. You know, the diversity of different people and different pe- ways people get to where they need to go. Um, but I, I, but I, I, you know, you know, your your journey, I'm sure, is just as enlightening, but just in a very different way. Yeah, I, I would say I think it's it's really I, I'm glad you brought up this idea of comparison because it's to me that is it's almost an epidemic at this point, uh, given sort of how publicly our lives are on display. Uh, I think we, we really this is something that I, I personally have struggled with because, you know, I spend all my days talking to people like you. And I, I always, you know, my, my business partner said he's like, this completely warps your entire perspective on the world. He said, you're talking to the upper echelon of people who achieve things. He said, and if that's your basis for comparison, and you're always going to feel out of your league. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's a very dangerous road. I mean, I can't tell you how many, um, like, you know, especially since the book has come out, I get letters from people um, which I'd never received before that. Um, and, you know, I, unfortunately I can't reply to them all, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, the idea of inspiring someone uh, by writing my book, um, there, there's, there's a whole league of people that it... it, it, it um, might have it might not have that positive an effect if they spend their time comparing mm-hmm. because you know as I said everyone's road is different and the, the great thing about that is you know the celebration of diversity you know um, the, the way that we get there I mean you don't have to have you know hardships to, uh, and you know hardships to find success um, you know that's some people's paths and some people have you know really great family lives and really great, um, you know, communities to help support them. And they become equally successful as people who, you know, come from more um, difficult circumstances and have to rise above adversity to become successful. Mm -hmm. All those things uh, make up, you know, but in the end, it's about finding your own individual path. Um, and you're, you're, you're an individual, everyone's individual, everyone's their own person, and that's why it makes it, it so there, there's no reason why anyone's past should be compared. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, 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 nothing more to add to that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you bring up a really, you know, it's an interesting point because, I mean, even when, when, when I talk to people here and, and, you know, our listeners write in, I always have to say, you know, said, you, know I, I, you need to take everything our guests say with a grain of salt uh, and also realize that I always say that the, the point of, of what you're learning here is to adapt it to your own particular situation, uh, model rather than mimic it, because you're right. I mean, I, if we could, I, I don't, you know, we jokingly said there is not a single guest who has told me, I read the four-hour work week and I followed this four-step formula and that's how I ended up here. Every single person that I have talked to tells me a different story. Yeah, I mean, you just hope that you get something out of it. Mm-hmm. You relate back to your own existence. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. I mean, you know, when I, I, I took some time in the last week to read some of the reviews, which, you know, I was, I was avoiding reviews. I, I was <laughs> determined to avoid reviews for my book, but they were, you know, but my, which surprisingly, my book has gotten such amazing reviews, but I didn't expect that, of course. Um, not being a writer, putting out a book was quite a daunting task, but, you know, the reviews have been so positive um, that I went to kind of read them, and I, you know, and the people that really didn't get the book to a certain extent, didn't necessarily, um, it's, it's, be, it's the people that compared it into what, compared it directly to their lives and what it could, it could benefit their lives, uh, how it could benefit their lives directly. And, you know, but the people who kind of, you look, read books or read or listen to your podcast to try to get an influence or to try to hear, hear about how other people find their way are the people that really find success. I mean, those are people that define themselves by get, becoming better people or you know, better, stronger, or faster at whatever it is they do by, by being coachable, by being be able to listen or read um, and be influenced by how, how other people are finding their way in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not the people looking for, the, the people that are looking for that direct B line, you know, A to B direct line to success are the ones that set themselves up to fail for failure. And they, 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 they listen to things and they read things wanting, you know, a direct 
you know, manual on how to get there. Mm -hmm. And there there just isn't one. Yeah. I I always say straight and narrow paths very rarely lead to interesting destinations. Exactly. Very true. So let's do this. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. I, I want to start getting into to sort of the idea of loop tail and what this means. I mean, you know, the way I understood the book and the way I interpreted the book is that the loop tail really is a framework for leadership and building organizations uh, in the 21st century. And I'd love for you to expand and, and talk to us about sort of the elements of that framework um, and sort of, you know, what are the implications for us as we go about approaching our lives, our businesses and everything else? Um, well, I think the, the original um, tagline for Loop Tail is why community, culture, and karma matter in business. Um, and what that what that really means is how people look at their lives and how they look at their businesses, you know, today. Um, and when we have this social revolution upon us, that's bringing that's 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 bringing you know a level of transparency between those two worlds. Yet we we come from the industrial age, many years ago, where we we're taught to you know separate work and personal life. You know, people separate their work, like, you know, your work is over here, and it's, you you work um, to live, and then you, on this side, you live your life separate from your work, which is a horrible way to live. And then today, with the social tools that are at everyone's um, disposal, and the way people are becoming so connected, uh, it's, be, it's been very, it's become, it's become very weird that people keep these two things separated, because they're not finding passion in what they do, they're not finding mm-hmm. purpose in what they do. Regardless of what it is you do, I mean, as I said, you don't have to be an entrepreneur or start a, a huge company. You can, you know, work for you know uh, uh, an exciting company. But just, just be passionate in what its purpose is, and whether that's you know Federal Express doing career delivery, or whether that's you know Apple putting you know in you know new devices in people's hands and making people's lives easier through technology. These are all things that you find your purpose in contributing towards. Um, and so, you know, Loop Tail is about how. You know, you shouldn't look at your your business any different on how you would look at your life. And you know, with, when people look at their lives, they, they they you know people are living more sustainably. People are um, you know we're recycling at home. We're using low light bulbs at home. Yet when they go on vacation, they suspend those beliefs and they go on a cruise ship or a compound resort holiday where no money stays in the local country and don't, doesn't have local benefit. There's that disconnect. That, um, that kind of caters to that idea that work and life are, are imbalanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people talk about work-life balance, they talk about not working as much so you can, as I said, you can work to live. Um, and it's, it's as, and, and you know, when you, when you do the math and, and think about how much time you actually spend at work on a, daily, on a daily basis, not just working itself, but also waking up in the morning, getting ready for work, commuting to work, you know, getting home from work, all of those things that you do, it's a majority of your life. So you should you should pursue some form of passion and purpose with with whatever you do, um, and so you know for me, Loop Tail goes further than that because it's an entrepreneurial story and how we incorporated that in our business. And when you look at your life, when you you know you act a certain way in your life in terms of treating people how you'd want to be treated, uh, and then doing that in your business because business shouldn't be any different. Mm-hmm. You know, paying it forward, you know. But the idea of karma, you know, karma is a very a spiritual word, but in business it means that you know, you know, you know. Whenever something bad happens to people, you know, you often hear that expression. Oh, you know, you know, they're they'll they'll you know they'll get theirs one day, or you know they'll you know karma is you know karma will come back to them or whatever those kind of expressions. But business should be shouldn't be any different. You know, we should look at how our businesses um, impact people, planet, and profit, as well as creating passion, purpose, and happiness with anyone who touches your brand. It creates that um, differentiation with a company that that um, didn't exist before because people didn't have the social tools to engage with customers and and with sorry with companies um, like they do today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a very different world. And companies that engage in and create that transparency and that relationship with their customers, engaging in that higher purpose of their business, are the ones that will survive and the brands that will survive in the future. And you know, the loop tail is a philosophy about how we've taken those social tools and the relationships we have with our customers and created a higher purpose around defining, redefining how people look at travel. Mm-hmm. And it, it, but it's, it, it can be used on any business. Like it, any business can think the same way. And I, I, you know, I give some examples. Like Nike, you know, in the in the early days when Nike wanted to um, sell you clothes, they hired Michael Jordan. They put on these amazing commercials. And when you walked into a store, you felt a certain way because that you remembered the commercial in your mind. And so you, it triggered you to buy Nike products. 
But today, if you to be engaged to the Nike brand, you can follow their employees on Twitter, you can follow their CEO on Twitter or on Facebook, you can follow their factories in China, they have Facebook pages or Twitter pages, the employees that work at those, at those factories have the ability to be on Twitter. There's a transparency and an engagement with brands that's on another level, and a social level, and everyone's trying to, and now brands have a personality, and they're not just, it's just not a one-way relationship. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, um, you know, you, brands put out commercials that made you feel a certain way, but it was one-way communication. But now consumers could communicate back, and they want that two-way relationship, and it's a much more intimate relationship. In order to, to mean anything to your customers now, you have to strive for your brand to mean something more than just its product. You have to transcend what you do and create a product that, you know, that engages your customers to a much higher purpose than what you do. And that's, you know, the whole philosophy behind Looptail. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So I love it. I mean, this is why I wanted to have you on the show, because I think this is so fundamental to to, I I don't care whether you're an artist, whether you're, you know, an individual creator. I mean, all of this matters. Um, I want to do a bit more digging into this idea of community culture and karma. I mean, you guys have been doing this since before we had all these social tools. It's kind of a bedrock part of the way you operate. I mean, I remember one of the things that stood out to me is kind of the way you decided to run your tours is, I mean, everything is about putting back into the systems in which you're profiting from. Like, I mean, all your tours guides. I, I love how you have you know local CEOs, and I was wondering, can you talk about community and, and how you guys have embraced that, not just on the web, but in terms of the locations where, uh, I mean, share some of the examples uh, you know, of where you've done this in your life, because I feel like you've done this long before we had the social web. Yeah, I mean, but before, I mean, it was very different. You know, we were seen as, as more of an underground, and we were growing before, you know, the last seven years when, you know, um, that, that we became much bigger because of, you know, with, with social tools. But, I mean, we've been doing it for a very long time, and, you know, in many ways it was a labor of love when it first started because it made sense with the authentic experiences we wanted to create for our customers. Um, but our first customers were quite 
hardcore travelers that thought of us as the best kept secret. You know, they wanted, they liked knowing about us, but not us, not, but us not necessarily putting it in the forefront of what we did. We were this cool, unique idea. And, you know, um, and you know, even though we were growing still by double digit for, you know, in, in, in during that time, our customers viewed, had an intimate relationship with us, but it was on a very different level. Mm -hmm. uh, when we started growing in the last 10 years, where people started taking our trips, you know, for the first time, you know, we, and we were getting families who last year took a Disney cruise and suddenly were with us in Mongolia um, because their neighbors did it. That was a whole other market for us. That was a whole other side of the travel business, the mainstream travel business that were that we, you know, we were professing for years for people to get off cruise ships and get out of compound resorts and have local impact and positive impact on people's lives locally when they travel. And then this greater philosophy that. Um, you know, travel can be the greatest form of wealth distribution that the world's ever seen if it's done right. And local communities benefit from people traveling. Like this holistic approach to travel was something that, you know, the world had never seen or a, a, a travel or a, certainly a travel company with that kind of message. Uh, but in order to accomplish that, we had to create these local benefits uh, or local community relationships and, and, and include local communities in our success as we grew. Because we are, like we're huge now compared to where we were creating those, those relationships 10 years ago. You know, we're, we'll run 18,000 tours this year. 18,000 <laughs> trips will depart this year with passengers for us. Um, and that's in over 100 countries around the world. So um, in order for us to be successful on that level, at the grassroots level that we are, we have to have a dialogue with local communities and we have to have a positive impact where we run tours. So we have our foundation, which is the Planetara and the Planetara Foundation, and we build community projects around the world. We have uh, about 40 projects around the world, whether they're street kids' homes or women's weaving projects, children's day schools. Um, you know, we have New Hope in Cambodia. We have eye hospitals, which do corrective surgeries for people that need cataract surgeries. All of these things are projects that are linked and funded by our travelers, but it's to, uh, to create a local benefit in order for us to, to preserve the authentic experiences that we promise our customers when they travel with us as well. And changing the way people look at their holiday time and, and, you know, and, and, and align it more with how we're living our lives more today. Because I said, we're all living more sustainable at home. We're recycling, and as I mentioned you know, before, we're also eating 100-mile you know, diets, organic, all of these things in which we change. Our holiday time should not be any different. We shouldn't suspend our thoughts because we're going to another country. Mm -hmm. And we should consider you know, where we're going and having a positive impact. And just imagine if we got to a place in the world where you know, your, your, you know, your yearly giving back would be going on holidays. Mm -hmm. Like imagine that. Like I mean, that's my idea of you know, you know, we all kind of save money and you know, give a certain percentage of our salary. We want to do something as 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 good human beings. We want to do something good, and so you, you donate money to your local NGO that you you know ma makes you feel better, to, whether it's animal rights or human rights or the environment, whatever it is your cause is. But imagine if you could put all those things together and and, and you know save all of your money and go on holiday and have that feeling of giving back when you went on holiday. And that's what, you know, the purpose of G Adventures is anyways. And that was the story of the philosophy we built around Looptail. I wanted to extend out to other companies um, around how that philosophy works. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I, probably my favorite thing that you said in all of that is, is thinking of travel as the greatest form of wealth distribution ever. Uh, that's that's actually such a, a touching sentiment because I mean, if you look at it, you know, clearly there's severe income inequality when we look at the world, and. You know, what, what's coming for me from listening to that, I mean, is when I look at the Internet, I, I tell people, it's like the Internet is like a developing country. And, and I guess the there's two questions that come from everything you've just said. One is around this sort of branding uh, aspect of things. I mean, you know, you guys were known as sort of this cool, hip, underground thing, and then you sort of become mainstream. And I wonder, you know, how you maintain, like, how do you maintain sort of the authenticity, integrity of what you originally stood for when you sort of become mainstream? You know, without, you know, like, I, I think it sounds to me like there's sort of almost a coolness factor with being associated with G Adventures for those early customers. And like, I wonder how you keep that going. And then, of course, the other thing is that, you know, as people who are internet entrepreneurs, and when I watch what's going on in the web, um, to some degree, it saddens me because I realize there is severe income distribution or severe income inequality. We're not, you know, really distributing the wealth equally. And I'm wondering, is that, are the things that we can take from the loop tail and apply to what we're doing in this online world? 
Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's everything. I mean, it's about um, connectedness and creating community, right? Mm -hmm. and, and 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 striving for a higher purpose in whatever it is you do. I mean, those are the keys, and those are also the key drivers of our business. You know, we we created this business model of happiness, where you know what drives um, human happiness um, outside of consuming. Um, and that is, you know, connectedness, you know, being part of something greater than yourself, creating all those things as the core principles of your business and all those things at the core principle of your decision making from the start is the best way to start start companies um, because it's it, it's about that engagement with your customers and in the in the in and the modern consumer in the modern social world who has a much more intense and intimate relationship with any brand or company. You know, there's so many companies right now. So, you know, since the book has come out, I've been asked to come and speak to you know, governments and you know, different um, you know, councillors and different regions, because uh, everyone wants to try, or, or even and, and also businesses, because people want to want to try and retrofit their business uh, to kind of suit the modern kind of way people are consuming today or engaging. Um, but you know, the, the the you know, with my book, I wanted people to inspire people to put that at the forefront of the you know, uh, in of uh, the incubation stage of when you're, you know, you're starting a business, mm -hmm. and how you look at you, how you look at you engage people online with internet businesses, um, because you want to create connectedness. Um, like you know, originally, as a, even with the internet, the relationship was always one way. It was a one-way relationship um, with um, customers, where you know you sell customers' product, and you, you offer fantastic service, and get it, you know, get it to them quickly and on time. And then you get a loyal repeat customers. But they want more. Customers are now wanting more. There's those customers that are becoming lifestyle brands that are engaging and meaning something and making their lives better outside of just supplying their product. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> let me ask you this. Let's talk briefly about culture because, I mean, one of the things that I know from, from knowing what, what I do about you is, I mean, you've made some very distinctive choices in how you've built a culture. Uh, and I'd love for you to expand on that. I mean, and, and kind of, you know, what are, what are the implications for us going forward about culture? I mean, what does culture mean to you? And, and you know, what, what do we have to think about as we're going forward with what we're doing? Um, I mean, with I mean, company culture is, you know, something that has to, that comes from the top down. So it starts off with how you're recruiting um, the people that you bring on and defining how you're going to, you know, run your business around, you know, your your defined core values, uh, and your your company culture flows out of that. And again, it, it, it be, but it then becomes a part of your brand and becomes a part of your company because it's, it becomes a part of how people relate to you. Because people, you know, our company has a very distinct and defined company culture, but there's many people that, you know, think we're kind of crazy and kind of, you know, you know, hippies or, you know, <laughs> I, I had someone, I was doing a, a, a web um, thing and, uh, for travel agents the other day, uh, a webinar, and uh, an agent hung up the phone saying, oh, this sounds way too political, and just dropped, hung up the phone. I mean, and and that's fine. I mean, and there's, there's you know, when you stand for something or you, you, you know, you go out on a limb by putting your company culture and the transparency of your business forward, you have to expect that it's, it, 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 there's a chance it'll polarize people as well. And so company culture comes from, you know, and, 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 by, and by the way, that's also very contrary to how you know, many people grew up believing on how you, you know, build a business. You know, people try and build a business by being everything to everyone, by being as generic as possible in how you define yourself. You can, you, you can, you know, cater, you know, your company to as many, to as many markets as possible or be available or interesting to as many uh, people as possible. But... It just doesn't work like that today when you, you know, because any company that, you know, tries to be everything for anyone and doesn't stand for anything means very little to the modern consumer, it means nothing really. Mm -hmm. So it's the companies that really go out on a limb and stand for something because people relate to your company on an intrinsic level. And that's sort of the people that become loyal, you know, uh, excuse me, loyal to your brand and truly uh, become ravers. We call them ravers, people who really, you know, 73% of people who take one of our trips becomes a raver. Meaning they don't just passively love their trip or love the company. They they actively go out and want to talk about it to their friends or write about it or tell people, um, you know, that they should you know take a trip with us or they should, you know, th they want to tell stories about you know the the trip they took with us. So I mean, those building that kind of army of you know marketing partners, if you will, uh -huh. are really is is really how we become successful. So. And when I say so quickly, in the last you know seven to eight years, where we've seen you know phenomenal growth, 
it's because we've been able to engage those customers in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, it, it's funny because, I mean, we're talking about this in the context of, of a, a massive company, but I think that this actually is just as relevant if you're an artist, you know, who's got a gallery you're opening uh, and you want people to buy your art or whether you're an author who wants people to read your books. I think the same principles apply. Oh, mo- most definitely. I mean, that's a very, very good point. And there's, there's a point in the book where I also talk about how, you know, entrepreneurs are the artists of the business community in many ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, when you create a business and when it becomes part of, you know, and if, and if you want to drive company culture as your company culture as, as part of your you know, brand offering, it becomes a very personal um, piece of work. Uh, because it ends up becoming very much tied to your personality. It becomes a part of you. It's, and there's no avoiding it either. Like, you, you know, when you get people that, you know, that are um, not as necessarily, I, I won't say bad people, but people who aren't as necessarily switched on to the outs, without, outside of the idea of just making money in a business, um, it, that, the business comes across that way to the consumer today because of that transparency. And you can see businesses reeling backwards trying to change their story and trying to change the way they talk to consumers, whereas just five years ago, all they cared about is you spending as much as you could in their stores mm-hmm. um, because they're trying to engage those customers. But, you know, any 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 size business uh, is relevant to, but, you know, it's a creative process. It's a, it's a creative process very much like an artist, which you mentioned. I mean, I don't think it's any different. And I get, you know, I've had people, you know, especially artists, actually, or musicians. I don't think it's any different, you know, where, when you're starting a company. It's any different than writing a song or doing a painting or, you know, that working on a sculpture. You're building and you're creating something from your own mind. Mm-hmm. And you're creating a business or you're creating something that comes from your heart and it represents your, you know, your being, your soul, uh, when you put it out there like that. And Loop Tale, the book, was an extremely um, difficult process for me to, to actually put it up. I pulled the plug a couple times over the course of the year on doing I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't bring myself to do it at some point because it was such a personal, it was such a personal um, uh, road to take uh, with getting my story out and, you know, um, create, go, going to another level in terms of, um, you know, creating that relationship with our customers or readers or people who are interested in our story, but I also knew the positive impact that it had, and that outweighed kind of my own intrepidation. But, you know, being an artist, an entrepreneur, are very similar in, in so many ways. So, so for you to mention that, I mean, I, you know, when you go to any kind of business function or with, you know, with Fortune 500 companies, you always see the entrepreneurs in the corner of the room. And they're the awkward ones that are usually in jeans and, you know, a hoodie and wearing, you know, sneakers. And they're, those are the entrepreneurs in the business community. Mm-hmm. And they're just very different. They think differently. But, you know, but as, as entrepreneurs, we're also very, we're very creative, but we're also profit-driven. We're also creative. We're also interested in, in market share and being aggressive in the business world, but we just do it and we think very differently. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you brought up the book in the process. Uh, so let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, I want to talk briefly about the actual writing process for the book, and then we'll start wrapping things up. Uh, I mean, you, you've said a handful of times throughout this conversation, I'm not a writer, and now you have a best-selling book, which is, is kind of an oxymoron in my opinion. But uh, talk to me about that. I mean, you know, finding, finding your voice through this process. I mean, obviously you had an amazing story to tell, but translating it, that doesn't always happen easily for most people, and I'm curious what that's been like for you. Uh, well, you know, write, it's been a long process and the decision to want to write the book and then um, getting a book agent and going through publishers and then they're getting their view of what they wanted, you know, wanted the book to be compared to what I wanted it to be. And then physically having to write it. I mean, I having to write the book in itself was, um, uh, uh, as I said, I'm not a writer. So, I, you know, so it, it didn't come out, it didn't come naturally for me. And, you know, I had an editor that worked with me that really pushed me and, you know, and, and told me, you know, where I needed to, you know, um, add things and take things out and clean, clean everything up and uh, add things when, you know, um, to, to smooth out, you know, to make it a story. Um, and so that's the technical, you know, side of the writing. You know, I wasn't motivated to, to, to do so much writing either because because I'm not naturally a writer. But you know what? In the end, I, you know, I, one thing I say in the book is entrepreneurs are the best story, some of the best storytellers in the world. And you know, I am a phenomenal storyteller, uh, but I'm, that doesn't make, necessarily make me a good writer. So I just had to find a way to get that story out. Um, and then the personal road to getting it actually out 
and the, you know, writing it, you know, you quite often think like, who the heck wants to read this stuff? Like, who, <laughs> who's the audience for this? Like, who's going to buy this? And you know, the publishers gave me such big advances in the end because it was a bit of a bidding war when I decided to write it that you know you suddenly so now I suddenly feel pressured to deliver because in order for them to make their money, you know, I'm I, I'm a businessman, right? I get when I go into partnerships, I want both sides to make money. I want them to be successful too. And so I better write a good book. And then that push and pull with the publishers to get, get that right balance of what I want and what they want um, through an editing process. Um, and then actually putting, out, putting it out and it going on, you know, the New York Times bestseller list was, was, a, was phenomenal. Like, I mean, I, don't even, I can't even describe that feeling. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, a week ago, just I actually went through some of you know people reviewing it on Amazon and different websites, and just seeing how how people are you know getting positively impacted by the book. It's just been an amazing experience, actually. But one that has taught me a lot. But it was so not natural for me. So it pushed and challenged me in the right ways, um, and I think I've really grown from it. Um, you know, I don't think I'll, I'll ever do that again. I don't think <laughs> I ever write a book again. Uh, and I, I was. You know, so adamant about it being in my own voice that, as well, um, and so originally I tried to you know hire a ghostwriter and um, that didn't work out, and um, and then having to plow through it and really come up with you know and also be honest and you know because the publishers wanted a business book you know I was a cross between more like a you know a, a inspiration kind of memoir kind of book I would say mm-hmm. and then and then. People wanted it to be more like a self-help kind of book, and then the Dalai Lama got involved. The Dalai Lama wanted to write the foreword, and that put it on another level in terms of uh, level of interest for people with the book. So, you know, all of those things came together and um, over a course of a very long time. It was over two years, um, and it, it just, it was the perfect storm. And then it, and when it came out, it was, you know, um, an immediate success, which has been very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is this is great. I mean, it's funny. You know, a lot of our authors will often compare giving, uh, or writing a book to, to giving childbirth. It's it's quite a painful experience, and I, I love that you you use the analogy of the perfect storm, uh, because I think a lot of things have to happen for a book to book to come together. And I, I really appreciate that you you know you mentioned this idea of wanting to do it in your own voice, because I think you definitely achieved that. Um, it's it's I think you've you've done something very interesting with this book. I mean, for those of you guys listening, if you haven't picked it up, uh, I it's it somehow you managed to to blend all those genres of memoir, you know, business book and, you know, uh, self-help all together in a very compelling way that uh, to me, you know, like I said, uh, I think it was Gary Arndt who said, who said, hey, Srini, there's this book you might want to be, you might want to talk to Bruce on your show. And it definitely stood out to me. And I can tell you, I get a lot of books and uh, I don't always say yes, especially when they're just standard business books. But this definitely, you know, it piqued my interest. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's funny because a lot of people have said that because it was the, the confluence of a lot of influences. Because I had two publishers, uh, which were very aggressive, which was, you know, I'm from Canada, so the, my story is most uh, is obviously uh, most well-known here. So the Canadian publishers had, had a completely different idea because everyone in Canada knows me. I'm a kind of a, a, more, uh, a bit of a famous success story here. So they want more memoir, right? Mm-hmm. They want our story. They want more personal stuff about me, the person. U.S. The U.S. publishers didn't care about me, the person. They want business. They want dollars and cents. They want learnings and lessons for entrepreneurs and business people. They want a business book. And then me, on the inside, I want to inspire people. You know, I want to help people become, you know, stronger and better versions of themselves um, by, you know, compounding their growth and their experiences. Um, and I wanted to have that positive impact. And everyone kind of got their their wish with this book in the end and um, I didn't realize it was so unique until it kind of came out and people started saying things like you just said which which thank you very much um, it's been it's been overwhelming actually to um, to with the, with the response on just the book outside of it the impact on my business or it just people's uh, immediate impact on how, how they read the book and how I'm saying th- exactly what you said actually that it stood out amongst other business books or other biz- books that were on their desk. You know, I've heard that from professors, people who bought, you know, 50 copies to give to all their employees or whatever, that it just was, it, it touched touched them in a way um, that they, and many couldn't explain, but, uh, or in a way that they wanted to share it. And um, I couldn't ask for a better, you know, a, I couldn't ask for more than that. I, I mean, when I put this book out, the day this book came out, it was a horrible two weeks leading up to the uh, release date in September. I was just thinking, like, who the heck is going to buy this book? Like, it's it just sounds like me 
dribbling on and on and whining the whole time about this and that. I said, if so, you know, people are going to think I'm the biggest whiner, um, you know, but really, you know, I, I wanted it to be about overcoming adversity and, you know, overcoming obstacles and, you know, keeping your eye on the prize and, you know, building winning teams and all those things that make companies great and make people great. Um, I wanted that book to have that influence, but in the process, you know, I have to talk about our ups and downs, as you, as you, as you mentioned. I just, my, it was my biggest fear that people think, oh, this is just, a, you know, he just comes across as such a whiner. Look at how much success he has, but he goes back to talk about this and that, and just being, you know, complaining about everything. But luckily, that didn't happen. Well, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, um, I'm not. I think that what you're feeling is what every artist feels when they put their work out into the world. Sure. Yeah. That's that's you know. I, and I, I mean, I had a woman here who's been writing for 20 years, and she says, I feel that you know. She says, you know, every morning you have to give yourself permission. Yes. I mean, that there there's something said about that. that's that's almost uh, that there's a bit about that in in the karma side in terms of meditation. Mm-hmm. The, the meditation side, if you you know, I've I'm um, you know big into yoga and meditation, but that that comes onto the self help side. But you're you're totally right. Every day, I mean, every day is your ability um, to make you know every day count. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, what are you going to do today for tomorrow? All of those things and those questions are about you know your permission. I mean, uh, taking advantage of every opportunity. And, you know, remembering where you came from and building all, on all of that to make yourself a better version of yourself every day. I mean, I always say that. And that, and your company shouldn't be treated any differently. Mm-hmm. So, Bruce, um, I'm going to wrap uh, our chat with one final question for you. Uh, you know, you've, you've built something from the ground up and clearly been very successful at it. I mean, you know, you, you've talked about many peers. I mean, even some of the people who, uh, you know, wrote the back of the book, I mean, like, uh, you know, wrote the testimonials in the back of the book are people like Alexis Ohanian from Reddit. And, I mean, in the years that you've, you know, seen other entrepreneurs and, and people who start big projects and, and build things from the ground up, uh, you know, I, I keep seeing this pattern, and I've asked this question to hundreds of people, and, and maybe it's – I jokingly call it for the research for the book that I don't know I'm going to write. But uh, what do you think it is that distinguishes the people who actually achieve what they're setting out to do from the ones who don't? Uh, well – uh, I don't know if I understand the question fully. Can you? Can I just ask? Oh, you? yeah. Let me let me be a bit more clear. So, I mean, I think there's two groups of people: those who try, who set out with the best of intentions, hoping to accomplish something big, uh, and and you know, and then there's a group, and they don't get there, and then yeah. there's a group who basically does it, and they get there, yeah. they get to where they want to go. And I'm curious what you think is the difference between those two groups. Um, I think there's um, you know life experience and, and 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 awareness. I mean, I think that there's a lot of people that have. Um, that want to get somewhere but um, want to get there too fast or, or they don't have patience in which they want to achieve something. And, and, and that, comes, that comes with a lack of awareness of you know, what you're capable of at the time or what you're capable of you know, presently as opposed to what you'll be capable of five years from now or two years from now, depending on how you look. So you know, people who you know, put their heart and soul into everything that they do and you know are really you know committed and conscientious no matter what it is you do whether it's just shopping for groceries or whether it's you know doing a report in school or whether it's the job that you do um, I think that we're in a, a generation of entitlement I think there's a huge amount of entitlement with you know the generation that's coming uh, the younger generation today and I'm tough sounding like my father now you kids today but um but there's a, there's a, a certain set that people have expectations that they expect that they should they should be successful um, because they just work hard um, or because they have great ideas. And, you know, I always tell people like that, you know what, great ideas are a dime a dozen. You know, there's tons of unemployed people that have great ideas. You know, the skill is in the execution mm-hmm. on how you execute your ideas and how you execute your life. And in order to do that, you have to be extremely open and gracious and be able to accept everything that comes your way with an open heart and complete and continually challenge yourself at the right time to be able to grow and to take things on when it, the, it's the right time for you in order to get you to that next level. Every step you take will get you to the, the, the eventual finish line. It's, the, it's people that want to be at the finish line before they put in the work or the, before they put in you know, the hours of the hard work that really never really come to fruition mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they want to get there before they... And they don't see the path. 
and that takes a certain level of awareness. And I, as you know, because I employ you know almost two thousand people now, I see that in young people all the time. Where, not even young people, I should say older people too. The people that are able to adapt and change, and are able to grow with a business over a long period of time, and are continually allowing their their hard work and their effort speak for itself, um, and not constantly questioning, you know, and not constantly questioning you know, where they're supposed to be because they know where they have to be. There's a big difference but, um, between those people and people who arrive, and I see it all the time, who, you know, we're a very cool company and we're a fast-moving company, and after a year of being here, they want to know, you know, so what have you done for me lately? Uh, and what is, their, what is their next step? Mm-hmm. Uh, as, a, and as opposed to just, you know, putting your nose to, nose to the grind and letting your results and letting your hard work determine and just keep an open heart and wait for your opportunity. Be very patient and be very pure with your intentions of what you want to do and creating that purpose in your life. I really believe that those are the people that always rise to the top. And I've seen I see it over and over again. Well, here and you know outside as well. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense, and I think it's a, a perfect and, and poetic way to, to wrap up our conversation. Uh, Bruce, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your uh, insights uh, with our listeners here at The Unmistakable Creative. This has been really cool, and you know, for those of you guys who haven't read this book, it's, it's one of the better, best books I've read this year for sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm going to quote you on that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thanks for listening in on another candid conversation at The Unmistakable Creative. Embrace your inner misfit, express your creative voice, and remember, the goal isn't to live forever, but to create something that will. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.